This past week again, I went to be with some dear friends who were saying goodbye to yet another dear friend that I'd known in another place where I pastored years ago. Yesterday afternoon early, I was visiting with Carl Troyer in Baylor, and we got a full report from the oncologist while I was there, and we prayed, and I left. Last night, while something as important as a football game was on, it was interrupted by a call from the sister of my son-in-law, who lives now in Kentucky where they moved, and she asked us to pray because her oldest son, who's five or six, I don't know, somewhere in there, seven, eight, I'll get there in a minute. He's a young boy. He was riding a go-kart on the farm they had bought in Kentucky with a cousin who was older who was driving. They didn't make the turn into the gate, and he, they crashed on his side into a pole by the gate, and they were having to do some brain surgery, some skull surgery on him in the hospital with an eye that was damaged, a hole piercing his cheek, and some scrapes and cuts on a knee. And they asked us to pray while he was in surgery. And so for an hour and a half, we waited for the surgery to be over until we got good news. He was going to be good. If he hadn't had the helmet on, it would have been another kind of tragedy. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. And then God comes and peace comes with God. Gracious God, I ask this morning that as you speak to us, gathered here about serving in your name, that our needs, which are many, will be met by the peace which is ever, never ending from you. Even as your word ministers to us and draws us together as the body of Christ gathered here with the body of Christ that is gathered throughout the world. For it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Now when I was in Paris, Texas, therefore the funeral of that friend, after the service was over, I met one of the people who had come on staff shortly uh, after I left there as a part-time financial person for them. And as a person who had been involved in a couple of two or three Bible studies I taught while I was there in the Disciple Bible Stuff series. And he wanted to show me something. His name is John Kirkman. And he wanted to show me how the food pantry had been doing in the 10 years since I left. It had started out as in a small little building we'd kind of remodeled and done that was on the corner of our property there in downtown Paris and was feeding a modest number of people but making some small difference. And at that time, there was another larger uh, pantry on the same street just down a little bit ways that was uh, uh, had some issues, but it still met a lot of people's needs. A few years back, it burned to the ground. And he said he wanted to show me this pantry. I thought he meant the one back on the corner of the property, but he said, you need to go down to such and such old Main Street, and, and I'll take you there. Just follow me in the truck. So I followed him, and we pulled in front of this about 2,000-square-foot older building there in town, which uh, had the appropriate signage on it. 
I went in and he began to tell me about what this little food pantry was doing now. In this 2,000 square foot, they were serving about 40,000 people last year. Across two, and sometimes three counties. People were able to come not only once a week or once every three months, but as often as once every other week to get food that they needed, shopping from the food on the shelves that had been gathered in place there, picking so many items from the different categories. And they shopped with it in a grocery basket just like you would at any grocery store. As he began to show me around, he was just beaming. Now, 10 years later, as the, this ministry that he was serving so faithfully had been so remarkably blessed. And then he said, you know, the building is paid for. And he says, it's amazing how God provides. We get food for the North Texas Fund Bank. We buy some food. And he smiled and said, we have $100,000 in the bank. And everybody that needed food comes and gets it. It's all volunteers except for one person who's the hired person who runs it. It started out as such a small dream. Like a group of people who encouraged a man who'd barely gotten out with his life in Cambodia to go back to that place and to build churches that could give a witness for Christ. And so the congregation got behind this man we call Chu, Chiv, and whatever else we call him. I don't know how many names the man has. And every time he's addressed by somebody else, they call him his name. I said, I thought you pronounced your name. And then I'll say my best shot at it. He'll say, oh, I am. And he says, it's all true. I'm all those things. And I'm like, ah, he is all those things in so many ways. It's so much bigger than a name. And now five congregations have been started and nurtured in that city because of one congregation's desire to serve in Jesus' name. So many things are happening. I got a letter today from a Presbyterian church thanking me for a list of people who from this church, I think it must be a Sunday school class, go there every so often to help serve. And every time they go, I get a letter listing the name of the people who go there to help serve at this Austin Street Shelter. Service is not just at the heart of being a Christian. Being a Christian is being a servant. There really is not a better definition for a Christian than servant to be found anywhere. It's hard to call someone Christian if they are not a willing, humble servant. Now, almost everybody that goes to church will serve occasionally. I've got 30 some odd years of practice at encouraging people to serve, and I can promise you, there's a way to get almost anybody to serve. But some of it's just not all that enjoyable. And I used to be pretty bad about it, I'll admit. You know, arm twisting, well, yeah, sort of. Uh, emotionally ringing out, yeah, every now and then. And, and just plain leaving a guilt trip on them, yeah, I've done that too. You know, sometimes the needs were so great and the people were so unwilling that it would take my best sales pitch to get some of them off the couch. I'm even told that now the greatest ministry here, you know that ministry early on Sunday morning of donuts and coffee, is in danger because nobody's uh, volunteered to donate. But I'm guessing I won't have to twist arms on that. I'm guessing that when there's nobody there to serve them and there's no donuts, the children will take care of that for me. <laughs> 
Somebody's going to get out of bed early and get the donuts. It's going to happen. I, I believe in that. It's not going to be left undone. It will happen. Service is God's plan to save the world. God has a plan. And his plan is by the power of his Holy Spirit to gift and work through the people who in faith have believed in him for their salvation to serve the world by sharing the gospel, to serve the church by teaching others to serve. To serve the church and to serve the world is a God's plan to change the world in which we live. Now, there are others who would like to do it different ways, but they simply will not work. The only thing that will really work to change our planet from the kind of place it still is at times is for the church to be knit together, to be tied together, to be strengthened together, and to boldly, in Jesus' name, move like an army or a team. Pick your metaphor. I don't care. Anyone that binds us together to do what we've been called to do and gifted to do so that the world might be impacted for God. That is God's plan, and it is God's only plan. God is not going to come down from heaven until that final day when Jesus come back, comes back to finish the plan. But until that time, we are the plan. God's Spirit works through us. Now, let's take this step by step. Because, as Paul says, I would not have you unawares. Other than some other translation says, I would have not have you ignorant. Well, that's a big word, so let's just go unawares, okay? It sounds a little better. I not have you unawares. God's plan to save the world was sending Jesus Christ for heaven. We are saved for heaven because of our faith in Jesus Christ who's done that work. And it's glorious work. We didn't have to do anything except pronounce our faith in that one who's made salvation a heavenly reality for us all. But the key is God didn't intend to just save us for heaven. He saved us in such a way that salvation begins here on earth in order that even the earth can be redeemed. That won't be fully redeemed until Jesus returns. But the people of God filled by the Spirit of God and gifted by the Spirit of God have a calling to bring salvation to the earth. Sometimes it's in a bag of groceries. Sometimes it's in a ride to the doctor. Sometimes, as one of the children says, it's a place to sleep. Sometimes it's helping someone who's on their last scent of hope and they're thinking about ending it all. Now, Jesus is the one who causes all this good work to happen through the power of his spirit through us. Let's be clear about that. Spirit gifts us. Where is God calling you in 2014 to serve through this church? In this church and in his world. That's a three-part question. Where is God calling you to serve through this church in this church, and in the world. One or the other is not enough. At the end, I'm going to ask you to increase your service. So I'm just warning you now. Let's see. Okay, you're warned. I've got 15 more minutes to convince you of how important this plan is. 
since it's the only plan that appears to have a chance at working. You know, last night I thought about that. I was watching my longhorns. <sighs> Lord. <laughs> they were supposed to be so improved, so I got brave enough to watch them. And then the game took all night. And my heart was racing like a young racehorse before it was over. From despair to joy, from despair to joy. Could you please tackle him one time? And they couldn't. And then they started the last drive, and I thought, could they possibly pull this out? I kept thinking, are these the cowboys in a younger form or not? And then lo and behold, they managed to pull it off by scoring with not enough time left for the other team to score again, because I'm sure they would have. The only plan was to score every time you get the ball. Other than that, it was, it was hopeless. The only plan is for us to respond to the wooing of the Spirit in salvation and to the gifting of the Spirit if we're going to help Jesus in this task, being Spirit-led to change this world in which we live. There is not another plan. We can sit on our spiritual dusts and wait forever for Jesus to feed the poor and they will continue to be hungry. We have thousands of years to prove that to us. The only ones who get fed are the ones who are reached out to by others. I want that to sink in. There's not another plan to feed the world and to offer them Christ other than for the people of God to be the ones inspired by God's Spirit to do so. Not only... Now, the, the Spirit comes, this passage tells us in 1 Corinthians here, to give us gifts. To give us gifts individually. It can be a gift or it can be several gifts. People... I was surprised this last week in the Bible study. I, I asked the group there... How many of you, and I don't remember how many there were, 25 maybe? I said, I assumed I was going to get an overwhelming response because we were thinking about doing something this coming Wednesday night. I thought, well, it might not be important in this church. And I said, how many of you have ever taken a spiritual gifts inventory to know what spiritual gifts you have? And I think there were five or six out of the 26. And my mouth went, Bible-believing Christians... In a Bible-believing church who somehow have managed or not been offered the opportunity to know what spiritual gifts God has given them. Now, let me be clear about this. Again, I think I've already said this. This is God's plan to save the planet. God is not without a plan. We are the plan. And God's Spirit, it says, has given everyone a spiritual gift and to many persons, plural gifts. However, if your plan in life is to be a great pianist and you don't know that and you just sit down at the piano and start playing, not realizing that you were supposed to be the best pianist the world had ever known, you will probably sound awful. It's only when you give yourself to the realization that you have been gifted by God to do something, that you might truly be able to do something far beyond yourself. 
The spiritual gifts that God gives us are varied, but they come from the same Spirit and are distributed as God desires to each of us who knows us completely. Now, it's not just the spiritual gifts we have to use, but they are crucial in the work of the church. All you need to do is think about your life when you have received ministry by someone who was not gifted to do that ministry. I remember a Sunday school class. He wanted to be our teacher because he was such a good spiritual man. He was so boring. God, it was awful. It was punishment. The words were good, but there was no gift there. It was hard for the class to get it because he just went everywhere. It was just, and you were like, would you please sit down and let somebody who's been called to teach, teach. And usually we ask that question in churches and everybody's shaking their head, that's right. And a lot of people shaking their head, that's right. Our teachers who are gifted to teach in the schools, trained to teach in the schools so they're not only gifted, but they have honed skills to teach in the classrooms. But they somehow can't find time to teach in the church and to teach our children. Now, you say, well, you're getting hard on the teachers. You better be careful. I know I live with one. I know that. And there were times when I would say, darling, we need a teacher. And she'd say, well, you ought to find one. (laughs) I've been teaching all week, telling them all week about Jesus. I don't have any energy. Sometimes I would win that battle. Sometimes I would not. Sometimes it's the same with all of us. Though we have been gifted and we know it, though we have skills and we know it, it doesn't mean we'll use them. We might not have time to go on a mission trip just because we're an MD and they have no doctors where the mission trip is going. We might not have time to go on a mission trip and do the hard work of building a well so they'll have water for a school in a far corner of God's earth. Even though we're young and healthy and strong, we just might not have time. Even though our hands and our strength are a gift from God for us to use spiritually touched by the gift of helps. So that we'll want to serve. So that we'll want to make a difference. Do you know your spiritual gift? If so, do you know where God can use that in the ministries of this church? Now, sometimes it's not hard for us to decide where we're going to serve because we've been doing it for 30 years. And God told us 30 years ago that our gift was serving and we've been cleaning up in the kitchen ever since. And thank you, God bless you, that is not my gift. And I'm a grouch when I'm having to do it because you won't exercise your gift. But if your gift is serving, then you serve in that way. But you know, we're oftentimes given more than one gift. We don't have to serve uh, in the same way over and over again, year after year after year. And the decision about where we should serve should come through prayer and where God is gifting us presently. 
I have never spoken in tongues in my life. I've been coached how to speak in tongues. It didn't take. And it didn't take because it's not a spiritual gift I have. But if I ever get in the place where I cannot speak out loud, I fully believe that the Spirit will give me that gift if I need a way to cry out to God. But as you can tell, I have ways already to cry out to God. I am crying out to God today. If you've missed that, I am not talking to the person behind you specifically. I am talking to you. Every last one of you. Why? Because we have so much to do. And many of you are already probably pretty fully engaged in doing wonderful things. But we must not be doing everything that needs to be done because what God is wanting to do in this congregation, in this place, is not being fully realized. That's what the past few months have taught me. I can sit and talk to you all day long about the things you're doing. But what I can't talk about is the things that we're doing that are causing this church to grow like God intended it to grow. You see, I believe God had a vision when he inspired your leadership, both lay and clergy alike, years ago to move to this place. I'm here by no accident. I'm here, the bishop thinks, because he appointed me. I believe because God sent me to help supply what is missing so that all the wonderful things that are going on continue to go on. But added to that will be a new kind of focus and a new kind of serving that will spawn growth in this church. Not just in the people that are here, but in the whole community of Carrollton. I'm a hog, remember? There are people out there in this city who are dying for lack of faith. There are people out in this city who've never seen answered prayer. There are people in this city who believe all churches are alike. I don't know how they believe that. I don't know where that ignorance comes from, but it is pervasive. Well, I would go to church, but I went to one, and it was just awful. They treated me terribly. I said, oh, I'm sorry that happened. When did that happen? About 47 years ago. <laughs> well, which churches have you tried since then? Oh, I'm not going back to the church. That one treated me terrible. And after all, I say usually, we know that every church is alike. Like every doctor is alike, every school is alike, every person is alike, every liar is alike. God has a plan. Jesus was his plan for heaven and the Holy Spirit through us is his plan for the earth. What is your gift? But not only that, what are your talents? You know, people have talents that just slay me. Now, they're not all spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they just have talents. A lot of talents come in human packages. And some of them are just as simple as personality. Some people have a personality that is made for reaching people. How many of you know Nikki Khan? She's still in the building? Yeah, she's still over there, isn't she? She's such a bashful child. <laughs> she rarely has a word to speak, but given the opportunity, she will speak long and loudly and quickly and often. It's who she is. 
she makes a difference when she's around people telling them about her church. It's hard to tell her no. I met some other people that it's very easy to tell them no because they got excited. Well, it's a long time ago. They can't remember when or what for. Nikki gets excited when her eyes open in the morning. She's excited. She's probably excited when she's sleeping. People like that who have infectious personalities need to be encouraged and guided in a way that they can be turned loose on this community. It'll take more than just one, and there are more than one I've met out there. Nikki is just a name I can remember. Thank you, Nikki, for being part of the sermon. Ask Sally how that goes. That's just the way it is. (laughs) Not only do you have talents and spiritual gifts, you have skills. Some of you have learned skills. You've learned how to build things, and you give them to the church, like Scott does. You've learned how to pray. Like many of you have shown down here at the chancel where I watch you every week and you share them with others as you pray for them. Some of you have learned how to teach. Some of you have learned how to sew. Some of you have learned how to cook. I particularly appreciate that group. Some of you have learned how to do yard work. Some of you have learned business skills that you can put to work in the church. Some of you have learned how... just to, All kinds of things. Some of you understand the things we carry on our belts and that bing and ding and and bring all kinds of messages day or night whether they want them to or not. Some of you are in that business. You understand IT. I have, it spells it to me. I don't know a thing about IT. I buy it and expect somebody to keep it running. But some of you have skills. What you have, what you've been given is what God intends to use. To Moses, when Moses was whining, no, I can't save your people, God. I'm not eloquent. I can't do it. You need to send Aaron. Send somebody else. God was really tired of that speech, so he just said, here's the way he shut Moses up. He said, Moses, what's that in your hand? It's a shepherd's staff. Throw it on the ground. You know the rest of the story. What's that in your hand? What is it that is part of you that God can use? I need to know that because, you know, I haven't had time yet to meet all of you. But by the 1st of December, as many of you as possible is going to be assigned to a new job. There are a lot of committees in this church. I'm meeting with the discipleship group this week. Some of those committees are going to go away. Many of them are going to become one. Because I want to free up people from this committee work and get you out in ministry. We don't need you to have 14 committees to be on unless you're the lay leader, God bless them, or the chairperson of the church council. They just get punished. The rest of us, one place is enough. We don't need four or five. We need time to use our other callings from God, our other giftedness, our other talents to serve. And without those, without those, then the kingdom on earth is delayed even more. We are the body of Christ. We're God's favorite team. In fact, we're his only team to accomplish his will on earth. Young and old, short and tall, effervacious in personality, quiet and intent in personality. God has gifted you, everyone. You say, but I don't know what my gift is. Okay, I'm going to answer that problem in just a minute. Let me run through this because I've worked so hard on this, I need to say it. What's the problem with the church if all this is true? 
Sometimes people or the gathered group of people called the church don't know their gifts. Sometimes they use their abilities and skills, talents, and even their spiritual gifts for themselves for personal worldly gain to the extent they don't have time to serve in the church. Sometimes they lack a singular focus or they have a singular focus instead of a dual focus. By that I mean that some churches gather together just for themselves. Some churches gather together just to be in mission. And all along God has intended that every church that gathered gathers both for the building up of the body and for the mission of Jesus Christ in the world. Every church is called to do both. Sometimes the problem is they are unwilling to serve or even to hear the call. They just have God turned off. They don't want to really be bothered. And not all of them are that way. For instance, I asked Don McCracken. I'm so glad. I'm proud of myself I got his first and last name both correct. Now, you know who it is, too. Sorry about that, Don. His time is up on the finance committee at CCA, and we haven't yet had the nominating committee yet, but I've already nominated him by asking him, could you serve another year? Could you do that because you started something that needs to be finished? I first asked him if he would be on the board. He said, well, you know, you don't have to do that. I can still be on the finance without being on the board. See how sly he is, too? (laughs) So he got rid of one meeting, and he kept the one that I really wanted him for anyway and kept me out of trouble, and I get to keep him on task. Sometimes individuals and churches are not organized or deployed with focus to complete the mission that's right in front of their face. Sometimes the people and the resources both are underutilized, underrealized, and not focused on doing the things that make a difference. Some individuals and some churches just don't know the mission. They just don't have a vision for what God wants them to do. There's two persons at fault in that case, both their leadership and themselves. You ever try to give vision to somebody who just didn't want any? I have. Trust me, it's hard work. You know, I've tried to inspire the uninspirable. I've tried to move the unmovable. I've tried to excite the unexcitable. I've tried to bring sight to the blind occasionally. And after all those years of trying to do those things, I'm here to stand up and give witness to the fact that some of those people got their sight. Some of them got vision. Some rocks were moved. Some people changed their lives. And some of them, well, not so much. And you may be thinking right now you're sitting on one of those immovable stumps. And I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying that when God moves you, he doesn't hurt you. Unless it's absolutely necessary. Now, if you're an indispensable kink in the ministry of this, plant, uh, this church, and don't get me wrong, you see, I believe God puts churches together. I don't believe you're here by accident. 
So if you're here and you're hiding, not only is God searching for you, but I'm searching for you. And the nominating committee is searching for you. And I don't want to have to find out about how you need to serve in, in, in a way that's unpleasant for me or for you. I just want you to tell me what you need to do and what God's calling you to do. That's why you have this. You know, you, this used to be books for me. It used to be pages of things where people could check off exactly what they wanted to do. And you know how many of those I got turned in? One year after being in church for years and years and years, I embarrassed myself. I, just, I told them, if you don't sign up for this thing, tell me what you want to do. I'm signing up for you. For whatever I want. Because if you don't turn it in, that just means you're willing to do anything. It means you're gifted to do everything. You have all the talents. So I'll just sign you up. Well, first of all, they knew I wasn't going to do that because I knew I'd get a bunch of, you know what, if I did that. And it wouldn't work because if they weren't really gifted for it, I'd be working at cross purposes with God. But I thought surely they'll get it and they'll send it in. And they did. There were at least 15 more out of 600 people. (laughs) So you have one of these now. I'm thinking you're different. Why? Because I need to believe that. I need to believe that you actually will respond. I need to believe that you would rather do something that God has gifted you to do and you have abilities to do than to be assigned or asked to do something that you might begrudgingly agree to do that you really don't need to be doing anyway. Would you please help me? Would you please help the nominating committee? Because in the absence of your help... So help me, Lord, I will fill your name in. And then when you don't do the work, I'll make you mad in that. I'll ask you to get off whatever I ask you to do. Because if you're not doing it well, you don't need to be on there. It's just about, but I've shortened it so. I mean, this is, it can't be any easier than this. And there's even four questions to guide you. What are your talents? What's your passion in life right now? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? Can you identify them? And would you? This Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, in one hour, you can take a test here. We'll tell you what your spiritual gifts are. We've purchased, we're going to purchase the, the inventory to use this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. You show up here. You say, well, there you go. I would be glad to do it, but I just can't come Wednesday night. I'll have copies in my office. J.D. will have copies, and he's really the one that's going to be doing this mostly. Trust me, he is. Right, J.D.? You know, the associate, what can I say? Anyway, he'll know by then that he'll have these forms. Fill them out. We'll get them scored for you. We'll sit down with you and we'll explain to you what the scoring tells us. You say, well, I just don't have any gifts. Then you're not a Christian. Is that clear enough? The Scripture says that the Spirit gives to each of us gifts. So if you tell me you don't have a gift, then I need to tell you about my Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sins and wants you to follow him. Because if you're a Christian and you're breathing, you have a spiritual gift. And most of you have more than one. And for the sake of the world, I'm asking you to let us know what they are You can fill them out and send them in today. You can come Wednesday night and learn how to better fill it out. And we'll have extras in case you lose them. You'll probably be able to find one on the floor next week. (laughs) If you think I'm already serving, beware. Committees are being redone. In the name of Christ, they are being redone. Now, this is my closing. It says so right here. 
What's the quickest way to get to getting these filled out? Gratitude. That which should be the normal Christian emotion. Every day that I get up needing Jesus every hour, I'm filled with gratitude because every hour that I need Jesus, he comes. How can I say thank you enough to know that I will never die? When you're talking to someone about dying soon, it's so easy to remember to be grateful for every day of life. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 90, to teach, us, we sh- to teach us to number our days. We're here such a short while. Our service is just a few years and then it's all over. We have eternity to think about the mark we left upon this earth. Now, if you are also one of those who has a sense about the leadership in this church, on Wednesday week, on the 20th, right here in this place, on our last Wednesday evening of the fall, I'm gathering a focus group. And you know who's going to be at that focus group? I don't know either. But you're all invited. I'm going to be handing out a questionnaire, and you're going to fill it out. You're going to answer some opportunity, some questions that are, that are important for us to prayerfully consider as we plan the direction for this church to go in 2014. I want more input. I want more input. I need you to come and fill out those forms. I promise you it will not take you more than an hour and 15 minutes. We'll be there. And if it's so involved for you that you want to take longer, you can take longer. I need your input. That's what we're going to do on the 13th, spiritual gifts. On the 20th, we're going to be planning ahead by talking about a church, by looking forward, by dreaming God's dreams about the vision that God has for our future. Did I mention, I think I did earlier, that I want you to increase your service? I did, didn't I? Let's pray then.